It's time for another episode of Espresso Yourself with Chuck. And now, coming to the mic, your host, Mr. Chuck Knapp. As we celebrate NCAA basketball, Ron Baker is one of those athletes who kind of exemplifies the excitement of March Madness. He is one of the best players ever for the Wichita State University Shockers. He is uh, a former member of the New York Knicks professional uh, NBA team, obviously, Uh, but he's also been a friend of the JAG-K program, serving recently as a judge at one of our regional career development conferences. This was a Coffee with Chuck episode. Ron joined us for that, and uh, I know you're going to enjoy listening to one of the Wichita State greats, Ron Baker. I feel like I bring your outside shooting presence. Uh, I'm, I try to be a physical guard on that perimeter and uh, crash the glass as, as much as I can, give our team second chance opportunities on offense. Uh, on defense, I try to do little things to help, help the unit defend the best we can. And uh, for me, I just, I don't I want to make the little plays and sometimes that's just doing the dirty work and that's fine with me as long as we get the win at the end of the day. Coach, the, uh, the Ron Baker skipping the scrimmage in Lawrence story has kind of become legend a little bit. What were your understanding or memories of how that went down and do you ever find yourself wishing that he had made that trip that day? Well, you know, he's a terrific player and, and uh, uh, I, I, uh, I have great respect for for uh, for how he conducts himself, how he carries himself, and how he plays the game. Uh, um, you know, people make recruiting mistakes all the time, and people get lucky recruiting. They get unlucky recruiting all the time. Uh, I would say that that you know there was a lot of people that made a mistake on on Ron, and we would certainly be one of them uh, uh, that made a mistake because we we were not aware of him in 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 the in the way in which I wish we would have been aware of him because obviously anybody would love to have him in their uniform but but uh, uh, you know he, he, that happens all the time and, and there's been uh, other cases uh, you, you look at arguably as two of the very best guards and maybe the best set of guards playing on the same team uh, uh, in in uh, Fred and Ron and Baker comes away with the ball. Once again, as I mentioned, look how well Kansas gets back. No fast break opportunity. And Baker, yes! Oh, he's feeling it. Ron Baker reacting to his fourth field game. Oh, Quinn. Baker on the wing, hits the three. Ron Baker. So you're, you're saying the Falcons are going to beat the favorites in the Super Bowl. That is Rebecca stepping out. Here's Baker for three. He's got another one. Gathers. Boy, the Hawks are just all over the Knicks defensively. Baker banks it in. Just popping defense by Washington. Here's Rose drives around Tucker. Baker from the corner. Nails a three. 18 in the defeat yesterday in Canada. Baker from the corner. Well, Carmelo, a very unselfish play. Down to Noah. Baker for three. Ron Baker hits his second three-pointer of the opening quarter. Takes it out to the Nick logo at midcourt. Let's it fly. Oh, man, he wanted that shot all the way. 
Baker sets his feet. Well, Baker is an excellent Ernie Gomez takes it back out. Ron Baker the drive. Nice scoop shot underneath. He's going to have a chance to meet all the fans who are in the house to watch him play, guys. Thanks, Rebecca. He was smiling in all the pictures, so nothing has changed. Most fans are wondering now, Mike, where do the Knicks go from here? Right, that's Baker. Nice move. Gets a roar from the crowd. He's become a fan favorite. It's only 23. And he shoots outside. He's got hops inside. He's 6'10". That'll be Ron Baker. They like the kid from Wichita, don't they? Very healthy skeleton. Smoothness in their game right now. Rock Baker takes it all the way. I mentioned to Baker, I saw him early. I told him to keep penetrating. Next lead by one. Here is Baker. He puts up a three and hits. Knocks down a three for Manning. Second quarter from the garden. Baker for Herman Gomez. Baker creating. Hernan Gomez, elusive, off the glass. They both played for Real Madrid, so they were very familiar with each other. Lead pass from Hernan Gomez to Ron Baker, who slams it down. Can't believe it's over, Kenny. Does go pretty quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. Baker. Ron Baker. Beautiful block shots this year. Brasino deflected by Baker. Baker goes flying into the stands. As Metzger throws it down, Baker shakes hand with the fan that he hit. It happens to be Ben Stiller. Well, it's March Madness, and we have got one of the greatest Wichita State basketball players in the history of the university joining us this week on Coffee with Chuck. I left my coffee inside, Chuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's okay. We'll send you a mug though, so next time you can enjoy your coffee in a Jag K mug. Ron Baker, thank you for joining us on Coffee with Chuck. Uh, we really appreciate the time. Uh, you have spent time with our Hutchinson High program and actually the connection was made because of a former track star at wichita state university marcus mater can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with marcus and how that uh, all came about marcus and i are the same age uh, the first memory i have with him is going against him in knights of columbus free throw competition me and him made it to the regional site and i ended up beating him in quinter kansas Wow. But since then, Marcus has kind of had this little chip on his shoulder thinking he's better free throw shooter than me. But the past shows that I am. There is documentation. There's apparently a record of this. So he can talk, but you have the hardware. Yep. And then about fast forward six years later, we're freshmen in the dorms together at Wichita State. And then a year later, we end up being roommates throughout our four years of college. So Marcus has been a, a good friend since about 2011. Um, and both obviously graduated from Wichita State. So great friends. Well, and, and you both grew up in rural Kansas. Uh, as I understand it, actually Utica is your hometown. 
Correct. which is very small. Yeah, and I think there just 250 people there when I was when I was growing up. And Marcus is from La Crosse, which is also on Highway Four, just about 45 miles from me. Okay, so tell us how did you start at Scott City, which is a 3A school? I believe it still is a 3A school. Um, how did you get from 3A Scott City to playing in the Final Four? at Wichita State. And and for those who don't know, literally in my introduction, I said one of the greatest players at Wichita State University. That's not me opining on that. There actually was a fan vote uh, a few years ago and and the fans said you were in the top five, one of the top five greatest players ever at Wichita State University. And Wichita State has had some great players over the years and, and really good teams, but there's probably not a better era of basketball for Wichita State than when you were a player on that team. Uh, Final Four, undefeated regular season, just just an amazing run. But it all started at Scott City High. So how did you get to Wichita State? So Scott City, like you said, 3A school, very small, tight-knit community, blue-collared, whatever you earn. I mean, you get uh, mainly a football school, to be honest. We had really good teams in the 90s, uh, football-wise, and we were always just a competitive team, and that's kind of the culture out there is just competitive. The community really backs sports. We started becoming a basketball school in the early 2000s with some good teams in 06, 07, and then from about 11 to now – we're just really competitive in basketball. And growing up, I had role models like Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison that I looked up to that played for KU. And I always just had this passion and drive to be a good basketball player. And Scott City was uh, instilled in me just a competitive nature. And that, that culture out there kind of pushed me forward to want to play in, at the college level. Wichita State started recruiting me late my senior year when we made it to Hutch in the state tournament uh, there we played very well and ended up winning state and Wichita state reached out and wanted me to become a preferred preferred walk-on that next, that next fall in 2011. Being from Kansas, we all know about KU and K state. I was not very familiar with the, the eighties teams that Wichita state had had that were very successful. And obviously in the sixties when they made it to a final four, I'm a 90s kid, so I didn't really know the rich history here. Uh, but my dad kind of informed me about how prestigious this program was. And we took a visit here, and it just felt felt right to stay home, stay in the state of Kansas, and go to school at Wichita. You, you were a good high school player, uh, really good. I actually went back and watched some video, uh, a highlight reel. Uh, I don't know what um, – what game it was, but, but you weren't highly recruited. You mentioned Wichita state, but there were a lot of division one. Well, I, that may have been the only division one. I don't know. You maybe had a couple other schools that were looking at you. Sure. I had uh, two offers. One was South Dakota state and Arkansas little rock, both about 10 hours away from home. Okay. D- did that frustrate you? Uh, because you were all state, all conference, right. um, what what was your mindset at that time 
um, when maybe because you said you grew up a KU fan, right? And Bill Self later said they just they they missed it. I mean, yeah. there was a press conference that yeah we should have we we should have recruited Ron, but uh, it didn't happen at the time. So did that did that also give you some incentive to? I don't think it was frustration. I think it was more along the lines of just motivation. Fortunate enough, we had the chance to play KU when I was here and we were successful against them. So it all came full circle uh, throughout my college career. Not getting recruited by K-State or KU, like I said, was more of just motivation. Wichita State's a good Division One program and a good conference at the time. And I accepted that. And when I got here, it was it was kind of like a dream come true. I was playing Division One basketball at a high school. That was my dream. And once I got here, I was around better players than I was in high school, and I needed to start working hard to compete at that level. And was fortunate enough to be around players that enjoyed the game just as much as I did. Right, and and. Um you talked about motivation. So you came in and, and again, Wichita state has a storied program in the nineties. Maybe you hadn't followed it, but I grew up in the eighties and I knew MTXE and, you know, yeah. just uh, the battle of new Orleans against KU and the NCAA tournament. And, and so um, when, when did you, when did you realize, I mean, obviously you signed with them and, and went as the preferred walk-on, but when did you realize that, yeah, this was, this really turned out well for me. Um, I'm with a division one program. Uh, we've got a, you know, a coach that's, that's good. Uh, I've got some great teammates. This, this is really going to be something over the next five years, four or five years. My freshman year, when I, when I started playing, we had some guys that had actually sat out with me. Malcolm Armstead was, was one of them. And he was about three years older than me. And I was still kind of wet behind the ears as a player. I was kind of questioning my confidence here and there. But throughout the summer, Malcolm and when Fred Van Bleet got there that summer, they both like, Ron, you're, you know, you're pretty good. And when you had teammates kind of supporting you and pushing you each and every day like those two, the game started to become a little easier. I was not stress, stressing as much. as much. I started playing really good uh, that freshman year, and I was gaining that confidence and realized that I belonged at that peak of basketball. And when you taste success at that level, it makes you want to work just – that much harder to continue to succeed. You you redshirted your first year, and then um, so that was a kind of a development year too. Right. Um, when you said your teammates helped you uh, gain some confidence, they they encouraged you. When there were other times that maybe you saw some obstacles in front of you, what were some of the other things that may have helped? Um, help you overcome those barriers or those, those obstacles in addition to your, your teammates? Yeah. So basketball teaches us a lot of things. So when I, when I talk about my teammates, putting kind words in my, in my mind, confidence, feeding me confidence, you know, in life, whoever we surround ourselves with is kind of who we tend to become. 
I mentioned earlier, role models. As a kid, we all had those people we looked up to. You can study those people. You can you can try your hardest to become them. And being around good people and treating people with respect is probably the biggest thing I try to live by each day. And when you do that on a basketball court as well, I think it tends to aid you to become a better player and also a better person. And you had to battle through some injuries uh, throughout your career, um, not only in college, but, but, but later recently, I think even. Um, what, what gave you kind of that extra push to, because it's easy, you know, somebody told me once the, the hardest time to quit is the first time. And then after that, it just gets easier. What, what kind of um, kept you going when maybe things weren't going well? Sure. I think it just goes back to those around you. I redshirted my freshman year and obviously set out for 12 months, basically. Just practicing, practicing, not being able to play. Took a lot of mental toughness and realization that I had to sit out that long. And then my first year, I played 10 games and got hurt and set out that entire season. But I think just the people around me were just kind of by my side, making sure that they, they knew I was going to heal up. They knew I was going to help this team down the road. There was just that belief that they kept feeding me to keep me to, you know, keep the tunnel vision. I, I tell people this a lot, that year I got hurt I missed 11 weeks of that season and I think in those 11 weeks I became a better player because I had guys around me that believed in me they made sure I was you know getting to physical therapy getting healthy because they knew that I was going to be needed down the road and when you have people around you that aid you like that it makes your journey so much easier and it makes you just want to obviously do the right thing each and every day to get better, to get back to who you are. Mm -hmm. And that, that first year you were playing, you had a great uh, NCAA tournament as I recall. And so it, obviously that was 11 weeks or whatever it was that it, it paid off um, when it needed to, but you talked about uh, tunnel vision. What, what was your goal at that time? Because you you got a D1 scholarship, you know, playing um, on the biggest stage in the NCAA. But at that time, what what was your goal? Were you thinking beyond Wichita State? I, I always had dreams growing up to be a professional player. But when I got here, it was almost like the focus was day to day. Obviously, teams have goals, but sometimes when you're thinking goal, goal, goal all the time, you start loosening up on your day-to-day -day and relaxing. And I really think that's why we are so successful here in Wichita is we had guys that were pros and they could probably care less about where they were going to get drafted or where they were going to go play professionally. All we had was today. And we treated each day the best we could. We prepared the best we could. And on game nights, it definitely showed where our focus was, I felt like. And is that how you 
approached life before you got to Wichita State? Was that just how it was, or was that um, instilled in you by the the staff, or a little of both? Uh, definitely have to credit the staff here at Wichita. They they were really really good with us about taking each day that's given to us and using it to our advantage. Uh, both my parents were teachers growing up. So I had the privilege at a young age to try and instill in myself that the importance of each day and how we treat people and how we go about our business is very important. I, I always had dreams growing up, but dreams don't happen overnight. It's, it's kind of like chopping down a tree. You can't, I mean, unless you're Thor, you're not chopping down that tree overnight that it takes, it takes a lot of time and, a lot of effort over over a long period uh, to get that tree to fall. And as a kid, I always kind of just thought, you know, today's a nice day. Let's, you know, let's go play some ball or let's go to the park and enjoy it. And over time, my goals were were finally reached. And I, I have to credit that to my peers and the, the people I looked up to. At some point, though, you thought you had to have known, um, okay, I could take this to the next level. Still not, you know, looking beyond the the task at hand, the the next goal, the next game, whatever. But you came back your senior year. There was some thought that maybe, maybe you wouldn't, um, that you'd leave after your junior year. Um, but obviously, you 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 went back to Wichita State. Um, was it your senior year then or your junior year or when did you think, yeah, I could probably, I could probably make money doing this. Yeah. My junior year, that thought was in my mind pretty much every day. Like I'd be watching film and I would kind of daydream about, you know, becoming an NBA player. And then I had to like center myself and, like you said, put blinders on and focus on what was in front of me. And our culture at Wichita was so good that throughout the year, I started caring less about what my future held because I loved my day to day because I surrounded myself with these great, these great teammates. I had a great staff when I was here and I was just in it for them at that point. So when you, when you surround yourself, not only in sports, but, just out in this world, you surround yourself with good people. Your day to day becomes becomes fun and becomes something you love, and your your dreams and your goals will eventually just take care of themselves. Yeah. So you ultimately did um, make it on the biggest stage in professional basketball, um, which and and really literally with the New York Knicks, like. The, the largest media market in the country. Uh, I can't even imagine what Knicks fans are like, but they really embraced you because you worked hard every second you were on the floor. What, like, and, and you were in the summer league first. You did the, the summer league. Um, what was it like when, when you suited up the first time in a New York Knicks uniform and got out there on the floor? Obviously, extremely nervous. I'm, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna deny that. But I, I remember it like yesterday. I checked into my first NBA game at Madison Square Garden. I started the second half of an exhibition game, and sitting at that scores table, 
everything I'd ever done throughout my entire life just all hit me at once. Mm. All the all the hard work, all the the sacrifices my family made for me, taking me to MAYB tournaments uh, at a young age, playing junior high, playing high school, all those memories just collided as I walked onto that court and realizing that I had reached the peak of my profession was just a surreal moment. And I, it was almost like I was thanking all those that had done what they had done for me to get me to that state. Yeah. And probably beating Marcus in free throws. That was probably one. <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Now Marcus can say he took second to an NBA player. There you go. See, once again, it was all about Marcus. 100%. Always has yeah. been. <laughs> so, um, I mean, so clearly that had to be a highlight, a at least a sports highlight uh, in your life. Are, are there are there a couple of others that you can think of? Um, maybe not as big or, or they could be. But but what are some other things? Oh, Final four, I would guess. But but I don't want to put words in your mouth. What could have been something off the court, too? Um yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I lived in New York, I lived in a really nice area called the Upper West Side, which is about two blocks from Central Park. And getting to see my friends and family coming to visit me from Kansas and me knowing where I was going throughout New York and sometimes seeing how overwhelmed they were in New York City is just a memory I have personally that I'll never forget taking friends to Central Park. Uh, one memory that really stands out is I had my best friend uh, that I went to elementary with and Alan Iverson and I have the same agent. And after the game, AI was uh, down in the garage where all the vehicles were and uh, he introduced himself to me and we talked for about five minutes and we, I went on my way and I remember turning around and my friend is just jaw to the ground, just staring at, staring at AI. And he goes, dude, you just talked to Alan Iverson. I was like, yeah, we got the same idea. <laughs> and just those, just those feelings of almost like, wow, I'm really at this pedestal and all my friends and family get to come along and witness kind of what I'm going through. And that was just a warm feeling. Uh, inside me that I'll, I mean, memories, obviously I'll always, always remember. Yeah. What about some of the, the more challenging times or, or, you know, things that you kind of had to pick yourself up off the, the floor and say, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll persevere. Sure. Uh, one thing I will say is, you know, us NBA players, you know, we live great lives, but you only play basketball four hours out of your day. So from 10 to two is obviously our craft. But when you go home, you're, you're in a random city. Like New York's not home to me. It's just where I work. So there was days where I was just kind of a little lonely. I, I'd be homesick. Even at age 24, I, I, I miss Kansas. That's where I'm from. Obviously, New York City has a lot to offer, but most of your friends that you make in New York city are working at two 30 in the afternoon. So there was days where you're missing out on things back home that you care about 
family birthdays. I hate to say this, but I miss my a couple, you know, family funerals, like things you have to sacrifice uh, as a as a pro athlete. You know, those things kind of nag at you, uh, but obviously, extremely fortunate nonetheless. Uh, but those those are things that I, I struggled with. With it was kind of a little adversity. I was almost sacrificing being away from family and friends when I was in the NBA and it was definitely tough at times. Yeah. Well, you had become accustomed to uh, being a celebrity when you're at Wichita state. Um, I'm sure you were recognized a lot in, in Wichita, New York's such a, a bigger place, even though the NBA is a professional league. Did you have any of those same experiences or could you be a little bit, uh, more anonymous uh, yeah like under the radar kind of uh so new york culture and kansas culture obviously very different wichita when i was in school we would go out and eat dinner somewhere and someone would always come to the table say hi or want a picture which was great i i loved doing that uh, never had any issues with that here but like you said always pretty much always noticed no matter where i went in wichita Fast forward, go to New York City, and I didn't have to wear a hat when I was there. I could walk around, and people in New York City are in such a hurry. They're always wanting to get from A to B as quick as possible. Be walking on the street, guy would tip his cap at you, say, hey, Ron, how's it going? Good, good. Be on your way. So just totally different circumstances, obviously, but it was it was just a different uh, environment that you were in in New York City, and how people live their day to day is obviously different than here. Those are some things I picked up on. Mm -hmm. Most kids who pick up a basketball at a young age are not going to go to a division one program or play, uh, certainly not make it in professional basketball. So uh, it's a it's a, a a very small number of people that get that opportunity who have the skills, the talent necessary to do it. So most people are going to have to go professional in in some other uh, job. Um, but but some of the lessons that you've told us about basketball apply to other professions as well. Uh, you mentioned having good people around you, um, and you had focused kind of on the day at hand in basketball. Are there some other tips that, that you could give people just generally uh, to be successful in whatever their chosen career path might be? There was a class I took in college, uh, sports management 101. So just the introductory sp uh, sports management class. And the first thing the teacher told us that day was, it's not what you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And that, that resonated with me because now that I'm done playing basketball, I can walk around town and I can network with some people around town. And they obviously know me from basketball, but now I'm trying to get them to remember me because I'm a good person. And in today's age, everyone likes to talk, good or bad. But if someone's talking good about you and you walk into a job interview, there's I mean, you just upped your chances just because someone talked highly of you. So I would just encourage people to treat treat others how you want to be treated. 
the more professional you act in any given circumstance is always going to be, I'd just say more convenient for you down the road. Uh, we've all done silly things at a, at a certain age and wish we could take back. But if you got to start today, treating others with respect and making the right decisions when no one's looking, I would uh, encourage you to do so. And so what is next for you? What, what, uh, you know, when you're 55, well, you may want to just be enjoying life at 55, but let's say there's another vocation. What, what uh, do you see then in your future? Well, I just settled down here in Wichita. I got a nice home uh, on the east side of town. Uh, Wichita has always been kind of where I wanted to reside. I'm three and a half hours from my family in Western Kansas. If I had to tell you what I wanted to do next, I can't because I just don't know. But I still, I still want to be a person that impacts the community. Obviously, with COVID, it's kind of tough to do that right now. But when things get back to normal, I'll definitely dive, dive into the community uh, the best I can. I graduated with a finance degree from Wichita. So lucky for me, I took education very seriously and I have a degree so I can lean back on that if need be. Uh, but something in business has always interested me. Uh, I'd love to stay around the game the best I can, uh, whether it be maybe coaching down the road. I'm not sure. Uh, but right now I'm really just trying to relax and enjoy the things I kind of missed out on uh, these past four and a half years being a professional. Uh, something I've told a couple people around town is uh, this past Thanksgiving and Christmas, obviously COVID was kind of limiting numbers as far as going back home and seeing your entire family. But for me, Thanksgiving and Christmas, it was the first time my five uh, close family members, we got to spend Christmas together since 2010. Wow. So just being back home, relaxing, enjoying the little things is kind of where my mind is right now. And you know, when things start to normalize and get back to normal, I'll definitely put my right foot forward and try and pursue something that I enjoy day to day. And like you said, when I'm 55, hopefully, you know, my grass is green. I got a beautiful family and I can look back and not regret on any of the things I've decided to do. Yeah, that's great. Well, Ron, we appreciate the time, uh, the example you set. Uh, you're welcome to visit any JAG-K program anywhere in the state. Uh, we know you have friends throughout. Maybe we'll get you to, to our Hayes program with Trey and, yeah. and certainly Hutch, but we have programs in Wichita as well. Um, we appreciate um, what you've already done for JAG-K and talking to, um, to a class. And, and thanks for sharing your wisdom and, and sharing your story with us. Oh, I don't know if I shared any wisdom. I, I still got a long ways to, to go to, you know, become Confucius or anything like that. But I appreciate you, Chuck. This is great. I know you're in this for the right reasons. And I've heard a lot of good things about, you know, Jack. So proud of you guys and what you guys are about. Thank you. And for the rest of you, enjoy your coffee. <laughs> Thanks for watching Espresso Yourself with Chuck. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and get notified of any new episodes of Espresso Yourself with Chuck or other videos with our JAG-K program. Thank you.